We are excited to have Paul Wells with us today to talk about how we can grow in Christ. Paul, before we talk about our topic, please feel free to introduce yourself and welcome to the show. Yes, hello there and uh, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, whichever time you're watching. Uh, I live in Liverpool, but uh, I worked in France where I was a theological educator for 40 years. And I'm living in Liverpool for personal reasons now, uh, mainly because I have uh, no more children living in France. They all live uh, elsewhere in the world. So uh, we moved back to Liverpool where I grew up. Uh, uh, we moved back to the UK in 2012, in fact. So I've been back in the UK for 40 years, uh, for 10 years. But uh, I was in France for 40 years. So all my working life was in France. That's why um, uh, a lot of my books are published in French. Uh, and this book, what we're talking about this morning, uh, Growing Into Christ, uh, appeared in French and in English simultaneously. As I was writing it in English, I was also uh, working on a French version, and they both came out at the same time, which uh, is very nice. So uh, that's basically uh, who I am and where I've come from. And now I'm back where I grew up, which is a strange thing. Normally people move from north to south uh, and don't go back to where they grew up. Uh, I never thought I'd return to Liverpool, but uh, the Lord knew otherwise. So there we go. Yeah. You've probably got a unique insight into this, uh, Paul. What was the spiritual temperature um, of Christianity in France? And, and how do you kind of compare it with where we are in England at the moment? Well, I think everywhere in the Western world is the same. You know, uh, Christian morality uh, is uh, off the table now and secular morality uh, is dominating. So it becomes more and more difficult to have a Christian profession publicly. Uh, however, in France, the evangelical church has grown uh, over recent years, and I think largely because of the work of uh, uh, theological formation and uh, training of pastors and able men. Uh, there are several places that do this uh, in France, including where I was working in Aix-en-Provence, near Marseille. Um, and uh, so the evangelical church has been growing uh, rather in an encouraging way. Um, and uh, one thing that is rather remarkable is uh, uh, many of these congregations uh, have a considerable number of immigrant people as well. That is people from French Africa uh, or from the West Indies uh, or people who speak French from elsewhere. So uh, that is very encouraging, I think, to see the growth of the church uh, throughout France at present. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that, Paul. We're here to talk about your your new book, uh, Growing in Christ. So lay the table before us, Paul. What does the Bible tell us about our need for growing in Christ? Well, um, Jesus was a man. And uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52, uh, tells us that uh, Jesus grew in wisdom and years and in favour with God and man. And uh, just as Jesus knew a human growth throughout his life, uh, we humanly become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ was as he lived, uh, uh, as he models uh, our lives and helps us to grow into him. Uh, the, the book's titled Growing in Christ, but really it's about growing into Jesus Christ, becoming uh, more and more uh, like him. Now, um, the great thing is that uh, the Bible uses uh, very human and simple ways of talking about spiritual growth. And we've tended to lose that perspective because, you know, we think about spiritual growth in terms of justification, sanctification and holiness, uh, which is uh, a systematic way of approaching the subject. Uh, but the Bible has a great way of speaking about uh, growth into Christ. And uh, one of the ways it does throughout uh, Scripture is the illustration of plant growth. 
uh, and we get that in Jesus's uh, uh, parable of the sower, for instance, uh, but also in the many images about uh, olive trees and growth and producing fruit, you know, the first psalm, the tree planted by the river of water. And then, uh, of course, uh, in the New Testament, we have the Apostle Paul, uh, who I think is a big expositor of Christian growth, uh, picking up those themes. Uh, you know, he speaks about Israel uh, as the olive tree in Romans and talks about us being grafted into the olive tree and growing. Uh, Jesus also talks about the true vine and growing uh, into the true vine. And then we have in the Apostle Paul this marvellous uh, uh, illustration of uh, childhood and maturity you know when I was a child I thought like a child but when I grew up and became a man I thought like a man so Christian growth is like a growth from childhood to maturity uh, basically and I I think uh, we can measure our growth uh, according to that human pattern that scripture lays before mm. us huh? mm. thankfully uh, once we're saved uh, the Lord hasn't planned it that we're then left um, to our own devices to to, wow. to, to follow this path. What yeah. means has God put in place to help us grow, Paul? Uh, the means that's put in place, uh, uh, I think um, we can think of that in terms of justification and sanctification. Uh, we we can measure our stature in Christ by our faith in Christ. Do I have real faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, can I say that I am justified before God? Has my sin been forgiven? And then, of course, uh, the sanctification, uh, which is this progressive growth up into Christ, uh, growing more like him uh, in holiness. Um, but I think the Bible lays down five steps very clearly, which I follow in my book. Um, I don't really know of any other book that presents and lays it out like that. Although a friend I was talking to me, uh, who was talking to me the other day, said, oh, uh, uh, John Newton in one of his letters, the famous hymn writer, uh, he uses that kind of uh, model for growth as well. Uh, I didn't know about that and was interested, but I've not tracked it down. And the five steps are uh, God plants us and then we put down roots and then we mature and uh, come to maturity through growth. And then finally, we produce fruit in eternity. So uh, we can follow uh, that certain pattern. Huh? Um uh, am I planted by God? Have I received the word through the Holy Spirit? Uh, am I regenerate and born again? And then uh, have I put down roots? I think that's all about discipleship and being discipled and becoming a disciple and spreading uh, out our roots and making our hold on Christ greater and greater. And then there is the growth process itself, which is sometimes painful. Uh, growing is a great thing. It's wonderful. Uh, but it's sometimes painful as well. We have growing pains, you know. And uh, and sometimes that pain of growing uh, is part of the process. And then finally, we reach a stage of maturity. And then, you know, we die and... Uh, we follow Christ's path uh, from suffering to glory uh, through the resurrection, and the best is still to come. Uh, that is, uh, fruit will be produced in eternity, will be new people uh, in eternity. And so uh, the whole of creation uh, is moving to this transformation, and we in Christ are moving with him. Uh, to that final transformation and that's the wonderful thing the best is still to come so yeah. we're full of hope <laughs> yeah there are lots of kind things that the lord has given us to yeah. encourage us to grow in our faith but some people can fall into a trap of treating these things like a buffet table you know i don't need to go yeah. to church i can watch online or i don't need to read the bible or to pray or to have fellowship with other believers 
what are the dangers in thinking that you can pick and choose these things, Paul? Well, I I think behind those dangers you mentioned, there is a, a big danger, which sometimes we don't see. Um, and that is that uh, our spiritual status or uh, our growth uh, is thought of in terms of things we do. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a do religion. We have to do certain things. And really, uh, that's not the New Testament approach at all. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done for us. Um, uh, and when we realize what God has done for us, then uh, out of gratefulness, we're not seeking to do things to please him but we're, we do things because he's done them for us huh? and so uh, this is the difference between morality and doing things to be better and living in Christ uh, which is all of grace and walking by the spirit of the Lord Jesus of, of course None of us could be in Christ without the Holy Spirit. None of us can grow uh, an inch without the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So uh, grace is a relational thing. Uh, it's not about we can do to what we do to please Christ. It's, uh, it, it's about him working in us. And uh, it's about our response to that relationship that he's established with us because he's our Lord. And anything we do, we do it out of gratitude. So, you know, uh, a good uh, indicator is um, if we don't like praying, well, maybe there's something not right. Huh? If we don't like opening scripture and if we don't like hearing the word, then maybe something is wrong with us and we've got to uh, find out what it is. Huh? Uh, when I was in Texas recently visiting my son, we went past the church and um, there was a big billboard outside the church, as outside all the churches in Texas, you know, everyone's promoting themselves. And this enormous billboard said uh, in neon light, uh, no rules, only Jesus, <laughs> you know, uh, and that's very attractive, just Jesus. Well, that's true, and it's not true. Uh, it is only Jesus. Yes, it's only our relationship with Jesus. But once we're in Christ, we will want naturally to do certain things. And there are rules. There is self-discipline in the Christian life. And that self-discipline is our responsibility, uh, I think, mm -hmm. as very often the Puritans said. So uh, no rules, only Jesus is... Uh, is only half the truth, really. Uh, once we have Jesus, the rules uh, are no longer rules, uh, uh, but they're subjects uh, for gratitude and subjects for uh, recognising all that the Lord has done for us. So things which might have been difficult before become easy. You know, this is what Jesus said. Uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's really helpful, Paul. Thank you. You can only grow in Christ if a person has actually been born again through an authentic faith to begin with. Tell us about why it's so important that we get this bit right before we do anything else, Paul. Well, the uh, Bible says a lot about this, of course, putting down the foundation, putting down the roots and uh, starting points uh, are always uh, important in life. So uh, basically, uh, the fundamental question is, am I in Christ? Uh, have I been introduced into Christ? Uh, am I planted into him uh, by the Lord our God? And of course, uh, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And without a work of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, there is no spiritual beginning. Uh, there might be moral improvements, but basically... Uh, it's the relationship with Jesus, the being in him and growing in him, uh, which is fundamental uh, and important. So uh, being born again is is the start of new life. It's the start of yeah. real life. 
uh, in Jesus. And then once we are born again, Jesus says, uh, uh, abide in me and I in you, and you will produce uh, much fruit. But we have to be introduced into Jesus. Now, that's a remarkable illustration that Jesus uses uh, in John, uh, John's gospel, uh, because uh, uh, the vine and the branches, uh, you know, to produce fruit, a new branch has to be tied into the vine and the vine has to be cut. So we're introduced into the death of Christ to live from his life. And of course, the death of Christ is our identification with the cross, uh, dying uh, to our old selves and being alive again in Christ. When that happens, his life flows into us. So Paul can say, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives me. And the life I live by faith, uh, I live it by faith uh, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So uh, every Christian should be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I was crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live. But not me, but Christ living in me. And yeah. uh, uh, our life is a Christ-centered life, uh, a Christ-oriented life, and uh, a Christ-alimented life uh, for that reason. And um, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, J.I. Packer described it with three Ps, uh, power, presence, uh, or performance. Now, a lot of people say it's... Uh, power that is gifts and uh, uh, power to do miracles uh, uh, this and that or performance you have to obey the law you have to obey certain rules uh, but really the essence of christian life is not power or performance it's presence and packer pointed out that you know the puritans uh, uh, and the reformers were very much uh, uh, concerned with the presence and living in Christ's presence. You know, Calvin's motto was uh, Coram Deo, living before the presence of God constantly. So this means that there's no uh, Sunday and no weekday. This means that every day we're living in Christ's presence and before him and as to him. Huh? Yeah. So yeah. that's the that's the blessing uh, of being in Christ, I think. Yeah. Growing as a Christian isn't particularly tangible. And it's also possible to look like you're growing on the outside, but be spiritually dead inside. What are some ways to measure our own individual Christian growth? Yes. Um, several things we said here. Really, it's a, a vital question. And I, I really don't know how to resume them all in a couple of words. Uh, but um, the first thing to remember is any growth process is not a matter of minutes or hours or days, months. But growth processes are over years in time. You know, um, we measure growth not by looking back to last week but by looking back over the years and spiritual growth is uh, a progression over the whole of life uh, we are uh, in Christ but the final renewal we're growing towards that final renewal so it's a long time period uh, that we're talking about so we live in a day when everything uh, is instant from coffee to gratification. Yeah. You know, everyone wants instant results. Your team isn't doing well in the premiership. So what do you do? You sack the manager, you bring in a new one, you want instant results, you know. And this is the mentality uh, of people today. Everything has to be bigger, better, faster. Uh? But... Uh, uh, growth in the Bible is uh, a slow, ongoing process, and we look at it by looking back on ourselves. Now, one important thing we can do is say, am I today 
uh, handling uh, this problem that I have with my life in a better way, in a different way, uh, in a more Christ-oriented way than I was doing when I was immature. Huh? Uh, what's my way of handling problems like? Then the other thing I would say uh, that might be a problem is that we tend to look and measure ourselves by other people. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Bible discourages from doing that, I think. Uh, we look at Christ, first of all. Uh, not as other people. You know, I think people get discouraged by comparing themselves with other people. And sometimes people get very proud by taking themselves to be models for other people. And, yeah. and that can be very oppressive for other people, you know. So uh, there's an element of pride in it. So I, I would say, you know, uh, being like the Lord Jesus is about obedience. It's about humility. And uh, things inside us which are real obstacles to growth uh, are our pride and our lack of humility, uh, basically our self-love. Uh, very often and uh, uh, I think we have to be realistic about those and uh, measure ourselves according to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, over years and not uh, to other people in the here and now hmm? yeah yeah you've mentioned the word a couple of times throughout the interview discipleship how important is it and what can churches do to embed this to be part of their ongoing culture well I don't think there is a culture of discipleship in evangelical churches at all. And this is very, very sad. And I think this is why many young people and others go off the rails. Huh? Because, uh, you know, there's the first love. And then the first love doesn't produce fruit. Huh? The first love disappears. Uh, uh, it grows cold. And so... Uh, discipleship is important to uh, avoid this kind of uh, uh, train crash, uh, which many people encounter, I think, uh, when they get to their 30s, you know, uh, when you're young and uh, uh, you're studying, you're finding your first job, uh, uh, you know, life seems to be very attractive, uh, when you've got three kids and you've got to get up in the middle of the night and change the nappies uh, or give the kid a bottle, well, uh, uh, life becomes a lot more difficult when you've got to uh, hunker down to a job and uh, earn a living. Uh, things become uh, more difficult. And I think uh, lacking in a culture of discipleship, when people reach this kind of midlife crisis, they often go off the rails uh, and stop going to church altogether, or uh, maybe they invest more in their material uh, possessions um, uh, instead of uh, being fully involved as they uh, were previously. Uh, now, I, uh, I honestly think that um, uh, churches need to think seriously about discipleship programs and um, individuals need to uh, think about uh, how to disciple themselves with the materials available. Um, I was speaking to uh, a pastor of many years experience and um, the other day I said, so what do you do in your devotions? He says, well, I read the scripture, I pray, I meditate and every day I read five or six questions and answers of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Huh? So he's done that for years. And um, I think uh, texts like the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism need to be used uh, uh, for discipling ourselves and for discipling other people. We need uh, training programs uh, I think, which are well-structured. We have some, which are great. But um, I think we need to develop this a lot more. And with young Christians, people who become Christians, they ought to be introduced into discipleship programs and not just mm. left sitting out uh, uh, on the tree. 
uh, on, on a limb on their own. You know, th this is uh, important, but it's not our immediate reaction. Uh, we, 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 we have this uh, idea that if you convert it, everything's going to be fine afterwards. But, you know, we need discipleship for everything to be fine afterwards, which also means... Uh, uh, mentoring and having people who are capable of being role models and and teaching young people to grow uh, into Christ. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Once we're in Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell us about this, Paul, and tell us about what role he plays in helping us grow in Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, helps us to grow in Christ um, as we become more like Christ and live out our relationship uh, with him. And I think in texts like Galatians 5, uh, we have patterns, or Ephesians 2, we have patterns of how we once were and patterns of how we are now. And those things which uh, uh, these passages present uh, become things which we have to aspire to uh, the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience long suffering uh, uh, etc uh, the holy spirit uh, brings these things into our lives and as we look to jesus uh, these things mature and grow uh, into our lives so what was not natural to us uh, before as sinners becomes natural to us uh, as uh, people who are growing uh, into Christ. You know. um, people who weren't patient become patient. People who had tendencies to anger uh, or self-absorption become less angry and less self-absorbed. We uh, grow to be like Jesus and Jesus is the supreme model of someone who is living his life totally for other people you know mm. uh, nothing that Christ does uh, he does for himself mm. including dying on the cross it's all done for other people uh, but Christ is very conscious that in living for other people, uh, he is fulfilling uh, his divine uh, role. So he's very conscious of his own calling uh, by being uh, not someone called to be more me, but someone called to be more for others. Huh? Yeah. And this is all part of growing up into Christ, I think. Yeah. Does the Lord use trials to help us grow in Christ? Yeah, well, someone someone I was talking to asked me about the book and they said, why isn't there a chapter on suffering in it? Well, uh, I went back and I had a look and I think uh, I found a, a page where there's a paragraph on trials, but there's not much in it. And well, uh, part of the reason for this is that, you know, there are so many books on suffering and trials that I think what you could say in a chapter wouldn't be adding uh, much to what people like Tim Keller have said, you know, or John Piper. So uh, I decided not to go there and concentrate on the positive thing. However, you know, it's a constant in the New Testament that uh, our trials do contribute to uh, our spiritual growth. And, um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to a student one day several years ago and the student said, I'm finding studying this systematic theology really hard going, you know. And, uh, well, I said to the student, uh, you know, uh, the, there's no gain without pain. <laughs> and um, uh, you have to invest uh and investment is not easy. It's, it's part of disciplining yourself. And then I said to him something which years later he said, uh, said that marked him uh, quite the way. Uh, I said to him that I'd never learned anything in my life through any of my apparent successes. 
uh, I got a doctorate in theology when I was quite young, you know. What did I learn from that? Uh, nothing, really. You know, I just learned from that that I couldn't be proud about it. Huh? Um, and anything that I've done uh, in my life uh, uh, that's been easy has not taught me anything. But what has taught me a whole lot in life have been my failures, have been uh, my uh, things where I've been uh, aware of my uh, incompetence. Uh, and basically, you know, um, suffering uh, uh, brings dependence. You know, uh, someone who's got a successful career uh, a self-made person has no feeling of uh, need of being helped by other people. But if you're in a hospital bed, you're going to be very dependent on other people and for spiritual help, very dependent on the Lord, you know? So this is part of what C.S. Lewis said, you know, um, uh, God whispers uh, in our joy, joys, he speaks to us, uh, in our trials and he shouts to us in our pain and failures you know yeah. and uh, yeah. C.S. Lewis had many fine things to say about this and you know that's why there's not a chapter in my book you know when you when you've read C.S. Lewis's book on suffering well I mean that has many great things to say and how yeah. could I say anything comparable to all that but basically you know uh, suffering is part of the Christian life because we're being made like Jesus. His path is suffering to glory. And the, the disciple is not greater than the teacher. So if we are disciples of Christ, uh, we follow the path of Christ. And yeah. the path of Christ includes uh, suffering with him uh, in hope for the glory to come. You know, this yeah, is the fundamental helpful. model of Christian life, suffering and glory. Huh? Yeah. And uh, we have the glory tomorrow, not today, but we have the suffering today. And so we do that by identifying ourselves with the way Christ lived. Hmm? We spoke about the spiritual climate, both in France, the UK and, and the Western world we mentioned. And we know that the public face is often the prosperity gospel, Paul. So, yeah, but bearing in mind everything that you've just said, how how do people get sucked into the prosperity gospel? How how is this having such an impact um, on on Christianity right now? Well, um, I think it's part of this instant success culture, uh, and that uh, Christ brings riches uh, to you instantly. Uh, if you do certain amount of things for him. So uh, part of it's legalism, part of it's self-salvation. Uh, and um, this is all uh, an ongoing from what Benjamin Warfield said in his two great volumes on perfectionism. Um, uh, there's either do religion or uh, dependence religion. And and uh, do religion means that you have to do something. And if you do that, uh, Christ will bless you and be prosperous. And uh, Warfield said do religion very often is uh, like a magical form of religion, which uh, proposes replies uh, and uh, solutions to all people's problems immediately. But in fact, uh, in the end, it leaves people uh, deflated and let down uh, because uh, uh, that prosperity uh, is, is not part of the Christian message, I don't think. Um, how is it possible, I ask the question, that someone uh, who lived and died with uh, uh, no place to lay his head uh, could become a model of prosperity for other people uh, when Christ died on the cross all he had was the coat he was traveling in you know he didn't have any 
any portfolio or bank uh, accounts, and he didn't arrive at Calvary in a stretch limo, did he? Huh? So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a reversal of values, I think. Huh? And I'm all for prosperity, but our prosperity won't be here. It'll be in the new creation. That'll be the fullness. And that's yeah. what I'm waiting for. That's what I hope yeah. for. So, uh, you know, I very much like the uh, the model of uh, Charles Wesley, I think it was, who, who, or John Wesley, or one of the Wesleys. You know, I get mixed up. Uh, I shouldn't. But um, uh, he said, you know, that he wouldn't want to have uh, uh, more than £10 in his, in his name when he died. He wouldn't want to have any excess. And uh, uh, moreover, he always wanted to know what he was going to be doing for the next half hour of his life, you know. Uh, yeah. and, and that was uh, his way of living. I think that's a Christ-centered way of living. Uh, anything we've yeah. got, we've got to give it. Hmm? It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. So uh, that's yeah. the fundamental attitude, I think. Yeah. We believe in the sovereign God, the starter and finisher of our faith. So when we consider how this, how can we understand our own relationship with how much fruit we bear as Christians and how responsible are we for that fruit, Paul? Yeah, well, um, you know, the Bible gives us a covenant model, uh, God first and then us. Uh, God disposes and we propose uh, on the basis of God's dis disposing of us. And, um, you know, I think when you uh, look at uh, a chapter of the Bible, like Ephesians 1, for instance, and Ephesians 1, 1 to 11, it's all about what God has done for us in Christ, uh, uh, the inheritance before the foundation of the world, the redemption uh, the growing up into Christ and the living in Christ and uh, the future uh, in Christ when we'll be finally transformed to be like him. That's what God does. And then from uh, Ephesians uh, 1, 12 following, we get uh, our reply, you know, uh, uh, were to grow up uh, in uh, Paul prays for the Ephesians that God may give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of, of him. Uh, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then this knowledge is the love. It, it's not head knowledge as such. It's knowledge as the love of Christ uh, because of the wisdom that comes from the revelation that uh, Christ has done all this for me uh, and therefore I know him as the one who's done this for me and therefore I love him and then the Apostle Paul speaks here as well about uh, that you may know uh, what is the hope uh, uh, to which he has called you what are the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints uh, is the riches uh, this inheritance which is laid up for us uh, in heaven. So we have um, uh, faith in Christ, uh, love for him, and uh, we have hope. And uh, uh, basically uh, our response is uh, uh, our desire uh, to grow in love in knowledge and uh, in hope uh, of Christ uh, uh, for the future. Basically, you know, um, I think that uh, uh, this is very important to see uh, the whole of the covenantal structure of, of, of Scripture. Uh, God is always first and we are called to act on the basis of how God has acted for us, for our mm -hmm. salvation. Mm -hmm. So all of our life flows uh, out of this uh, uh, attitude towards the grace of God. It's our response uh, to Christ's grace. Huh? So uh, Christ is our saviour and we respond to him 
and it's because of that uh, we grow uh, continually into him. And uh, throughout this book, you know, I, I'm really beating one drum all the time, basically, and that is that uh, uh, in many of our Christian uh, milieu today, uh, there's uh, a downplaying of knowledge uh, in terms of uh, people's preferences for feelings and emotions. And people decide a lot of things on the basis of emotion and feeling, how I feel about it, and whether it makes me feel good. And the basic model is growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So basically this book is how to know Christ better and how to build up our knowledge of him so that we may love and hope uh, in him uh, as the one who's central in our lives. Uh, yeah. So uh, knowledge is a very important thing. And, uh, you know, I talk about the relationship of knowledge and theology and people often think of theology as intellectualism, but basically theology is practical because it's the knowledge of God and it should always yeah, be right. practical yeah. and tend yeah. to practical results in our lives. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. And Absolutely. if you're not doing that, it's not true knowledge. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You, you, you mentioned your book is all about spiritual growth, growing in Christ, but what yeah. are some indicators that we are actually growing backwards in our faith rather than growing? Growing backwards in our faith. Uh, well, I think we're growing backwards in our faith if uh, uh, we're always thinking of me, me, me. Hmm? Um, you know, uh, why do people sin? Hmm? Uh, people sin because they think it'll do something for them or get something for them. It's all about me, me, me. And um, uh, I think basically, uh, uh, if we're thinking about me, uh, and if we're sinning because we're thinking about what's agreeable for us uh, and what we want to do and what we like to do, I think that's a real uh, indication that we're going backwards in our faith. You know, um, uh, I'm not talking about church attendance or reading the Bible or uh, anything like that directly here but they are they are part of it you know if we have no desire uh, to be with the Lord's people and if we have no desire to pray and read scripture well that shows that we're uh, going backward and our priorities are wrong um, an illustration here you know uh, Jose Mourinho when he was at Spurs uh, called one of his seasoned professionals in uh, because of his behavior on the training ground and because he was showing no desire uh, to play for the team. And um, basically he said uh, to this player who moved on from Spurs soon after that, I think, uh, look, son, you've got great potential, but you've lost your desire. You've got no desire. And it's up to you to put that right. And I want to see you putting that right. So um, basically, you know, if we're aware of things in our life that we're wrong, then we've got to take ourselves in hand. And mm -hmm. self-discipline is part of the Christian walk. Unfortunately, that player didn't discipline himself and his career continued to decline from there because he wasn't willing to take himself uh, in hand. And I guess mm -hmm. the ultimate reason for that was because he was thinking of me, 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 and what he wanted. He wasn't thinking of the team or what he could become. He was thinking of me, me, me all the time. And he didn't want yeah. to do it anymore. You know, yeah. the, these highly trained professionals, they must get to a position where they've won a few things and they say, well, I can sit back on my own now. Yeah. And uh, that's enough. You know, you lose the desire. And basically, I think. Uh, uh, if we're considering blocks um, in our spiritual life, we can think about what we really desire and what we really want. And if we become aware of problems, well, we can think about 
how we can take ourselves in hand to put those things right and, you know, uh, rekindle the flame, as uh, as the, they used to say in the revivals, you know. And uh, at certain moments in our life, uh, we all have to rekindle that and take ourselves in hand. Mm -hmm. I think that's the real... What is the end point of growing in Christ, Paul? What, what should a mature Christian look like? Well, basically, you know, one of the things I think is that um, uh, when the Bible speaks about fruitfulness, uh, that fruit is produced above all in eternity. And so uh, our full stature uh, will be then, uh, you know, Christ's fullness uh, was not when he was dying on the cross. Christ's fullness was when he became Lord of all after the resurrection. Yeah? It wasn't uh, as the second Adam suffering that he reached his uh, final point. Uh, uh, when he was raised, he gave gifts to men, uh, you know, quoting the psalm, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul says, uh, leading captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So, um, the, the fullness is for the future. Uh, we're still uh, uh, in the old Adam, uh, yeah. physically, with our physical bodies, even though spiritual, we are in the new Adam, and we will bear fruit uh, in eternity uh, when we are free of this body. You know, that's when we will stop sinning. And uh, uh, the death of sin uh for christ was uh, on the cross when he put it to death but the death of sin for us uh is when we die and are liberated from the uh habits of the old adam and we will uh bear fruit uh, in christ in the new creation uh, eternally with a, a new call to glorify him and to grow uh, in eternity uh, and produce fruit in him. So, you know, I was listening to Richard Pratt, uh, Third Millennium Ministries, uh, recently, and he says something which is very good. You know, the kingdom of God doesn't grow up from earth to heaven. The kingdom of God comes down from heaven. The new Jerusalem comes mm. from heaven. And we will... Uh, produce fruit when we're taken up into heaven to be members of Christ's eternal kingdom and that's our hope uh, you know uh, uh, the uh, uh, the kingdom grows in this world but basically it will come to fruition when Christ comes again and that's yeah. a wonderful thought huh? any growing I do will be uh, uh, rewarded uh, 10 times over when christ comes again and have a new me uh, yeah. for good and uh, the old me will have gone altogether and uh, uh, this is part of a realization of our full humanity you know, the great thing for me is that uh, being a christian is it is not being less human, it's being more human. And the true humanity is the new humanity in Christ, which uh, uh, is uh, a humanity for God's service and the service of others. Right? So I think this is a great thing. When I was a kid, people told me the model was God first, others second, and you last. Huh? And, uh, well, I, I, I don't have any uh, uh, anything more to say than that really you know that should be our order of things because it was yeah. jesus's order of things yeah. and when our earthly stage is over and the play is finished uh, then we'll know fruit uh, born in heaven uh, in the new creation with christ and this is a fantastic hope for all of us yeah Paul, I really enjoyed reading your book. I've loved speaking to you over the last hour as well. Before we let you go, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, no closing thoughts, really. Uh, it's been great to be, being able to 
spend these few minutes with you. Uh, I've really loved it, and um, uh, I, I, I trust that you know that we can keep before us that the best is always ahead, and the best isn't in the past. You know, there's uh, we no need to regret that our youth has gone. Uh, because there's always something better for us uh, in Christ in the future. Yeah, and well, whatever we've done in the past, uh, whatever we've been, uh, uh, through faith uh, in Christ and because of his grace and love, well, uh, whatever we've been uh, is nothing to what we will be uh, in yeah. him. And, and this is the basic Christian message, I think. And I think you know, if you want a motto, the best is always ahead. Yeah. And yeah. that's where growth points. It points to the future. It points ahead. Huh? Yeah. So, and how can people keep in touch with on. your work, Paul? Huh? How can people keep in touch with your work? Well, why would anyone want to keep in touch with my work? You know, there's great people out there. There's Jim Parker and, and Tim Keller and Calvin and the Reformers. So, um, well, you know, I'm just basically following uh, Scripture and, and what other people uh, have said that I've learned enormously from. Um, however, uh, seeing as you've given me a chance to... Uh, I I do edit a theological journal here, and you can... This is, you know... Uh, quite difficult theology but there's some stuff in there for everyone there's interviews with you can consult this online at uh, unio cc u-n-i-o-c-c dot com and you can consult back issues on that uh, and you can read uh, uh, good articles on there if you're uh, theologically inclined however uh, if you want to keep up with me uh, please, ju please just pray that uh, uh, the Lord will uh, bless uh, the years which lie ahead for me. And uh, most of all, that uh, we'll see revival of God's church in uh, our country and throughout the Western world uh, in this time, because that is surely right. what we need. Revival comes uh, as we grow into Christ and become witnesses for him to those around us so may the lord bless us in that amen thank you what we'll do uh paul is we'll find a link to that website and a link to your new book and they'll be in the description of wherever you're watching or listening to this interview as well so do check those uh, out paul thanks again for your time really enjoyed speaking oh, to you today thanks a lot uh, have a great day take care thank you bye bye